we are going to tackle a new topic today. Hopefully we'll get through the entire topic. And the topic is what is known as Shalosh Seudos, or Shaloshudis, as we like to say. Uh, it's one of those funny words, which doesn't really mean anything, but basically Shaloshudis is just another way of saying Shalosh Seudos, which means three meals. Now that word is also kind of funny, because uh, we're not, it's not... Uh, that third meal that we eat is not three meals, it's one meal. It's sudat shlishi, right? So in, in more Hebrew-speaking circles, uh, the third meal is called sudat shlishi, which is much more accurate. It is the third meal. However, it's worth noting that Tame HaMenhagim uh, discusses a very interesting reason as to why it's called shalosh shudis, or shalosh sudos, three meals. And he suggests the following beautiful idea. He says, you know, we come to our Friday night meal. We ran around all of Friday. We ran around the entire week. We're starving, okay? Uh, and so we sit down and we have this enjoyable meal. Who are we eating for? Thank you for being honest, Ellen. I could always turn to you for your honesty, right? We're eating for ourselves, right? At the end of the day, it's a delicious meal. Of course, maybe for myself. Shabbos day, you know, you go to Shoal and maybe there wasn't a Kiddush this week and the rabbi droned on and on and on. You know, you come to the Shabbos morning meal, you kind of miss breakfast, you're starving. You eat, who are you eating the cholent and the this and the that for? Who are you eating for? Yourself, right? So again, ideally not, right? And Shabbos meals are not meant to be completely about ourselves, but you know, they're big meals and, and we're hungry. So to some extent, they're not exactly spiritual meals necessarily, although we strive for them to be. The third meal is usually a struggle to eat at all, right? That's what we're going to be talking about. Many people try to skip the third meal because eh, I just had a huge lunch, right? Or I just, I'm, I'm still in bed or whatever. All the reasons in the world, I don't want to wash. I don't want to have a third meal. So the third meal is the only meal through which we have the opportunity to demonstrate that really we are eating on Shabbos for God. That although there's a mitzvah to eat three meals and, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your other meals, but it's only the third meal that really gives us an opportunity to say, this is legit. This is really not about me. This is really for a higher power. So that's, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, nice idea. It's a nice idea. That's the Tameh HaMenhagim says that the reason we call the third meal Shalosh Seudos, or historically it was called three meals, is because tucked into that one meal, even though it's the smallest meal, even though, and, and not only, not even though, but precisely because it is the meal that we want to eat the least, therefore, when we eat that meal, we demonstrate that all three meals were really eaten for the right reason. And therefore, in that small little meal, we call it Shalosh Seudos, all three meals, or the value of all three meals are demonstrated through that meal. Okay. It's, a, it's an idea, it's a cute idea, it's a nice idea, it's a beautiful, I find it to be a beautiful idea, uh, but let's now talk about the actual laws pertaining to this third meal, which we now saw through this introduction, is quite important. It's the only, you know, in, 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 in the literature, the, the word that we use when something is done for the right reason is lishma. Right? This, the third meal is because of its struggle, because it's so difficult, it's the only meal that we could eat that's lishma, it's for God's sake. Nobody, I've never, you know, I've, I, I really haven't met too many people who are dying to wash and have a third meal, okay? Right? Am, I, am I wrong? Maybe in the summertime it's different. Even then, uh, wash again. Yeah, another more bread. Certainly in our mindset and culture, you know, to have another, another meal with more grains seems like uh, terrible. So again, the third meal is the meal through which we get to express and demonstrate that all the meals are really, at least in theory, being done for Hashem. With that in mind, let's see the laws of these, this third meal, or now that we've justified the funny term, shalosh seudos or shalosh 
Let's see the laws of Shalashudas or Sudachlishi. So says the Shulchan Arach, um, like this. We just, the source you have in front of you today are just the Shulchan Arach. I'll, I'll speak out a couple of things that are not written inside, um, but we'll be reading primarily through the Shulchan Arach. Okay, so Reish Tzadi Aleph, uh, the 291st uh, chapter of the Shulchan Arach and Orachayim, he says like this. Yehizar me'od, Aleph. Yehizar me'od lekhaim Sudashlishis. We should be very careful to fulfill the third meal. Ve'afim husavea. Even if a person is full, okay, certainly in the winter months, which is very common, a person just ate a nice big lunch, a person could fulfill the mitzvah by eating a beitzah. What is a, a beitzah's volume of bread? And what that means is that a beitzah is an egg, okay? So basically, the bare minimum to fulfill the mitzvah of Shal Shuris, is to eat a, an egg size, we'll see really a little bit bigger than an egg size of bread. Doing so, that's enough, that's a meal. All you got to do is wash, have that much bread, and you really are good to go. Okay? That's, that's the bare minimum. You don't have to have a full festive meal. It doesn't have to, uh, all the different stuff. That's all you need to do. Can you assume that has to be a bread? Yes, yes. As we'll see, definitely, definitely, ideally a bread. We'll see some other possibilities. Uh, but he, right now, he's certainly talking about bread. Yeah. And if a person cannot eat at all, they are just so stuffed. Again, let's call it winter month. They just had a long, huge meal and they had like 12 courses and they're just, they're done. They cannot eat. Person is not obligated to pain themselves, right? If you're going to be eating and it's going to be painful, right? I'm truly stuffed. I can't eat, right? Uh, then you don't have to eat. Now, you know, I was discussing with, with a colleague uh, earlier, you know, what if the pain is not physical pain, but you're like, my gosh, I can't afford the calories and like, it's just, it's going to drive me crazy to have another meal. Okay, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, but here, here's the, the key line is really the next line. Ve'achacham enav berosho. Okay, so there's a term in which is hard. It literally means a wise person has eyes in his head. Okay, now what does that mean? What that means is an intelligent person has foresight. If you know that you have an obligation to have three meals or a second meal on Shabbos day, chacham enav berosho. Despite the delicious uh, you know, food that you have at lunch, be intelligent. If you know you're obligated to have another meal, curb your, your you know, just... Don't eat as much, right? Uh, you know, have a little bit of each thing, right? If you know you have to do this, then be wise. That's basically what, what he says. Don't stuff yourself uh, and during the morning meal. So that you'll have space for that third meal. Okay? Fine. So again, what we learn from here that there, it's very important to have a third meal, that at the bare minimum, you could have a beitza of bread or a little bit more than a egg size of bread. Not that much. Okay. Have that as, a, as your meal. Um, if you cannot eat at all, then you're not obligated to pain yourself. And although a wise person doesn't set themselves up for that situation. Says the Ramah, hey, Gimel Hey, it literally means like the gloss. And this is an addition from the Ramah, Ramosha Isserlis, and he says a fascinating thing. Mishalo Achal Bilel Shabbos. A person who skipped the Friday night meal. It happens. Person was sick, person, whatever. A person somehow missed the Friday night meal. They were in bed, whatever. They missed the Friday night meal. So Shabbos day, what do you do? In other words, we have an obligation to have three meals over Shabbos. Is it? So ideally, we know it seems we're supposed to have a Friday night meal, and then we have a morning meal or afternoon meal, and then we have a, you know, a, yeah, morning or you know, late morning meal, and then we have a late afternoon meal, right? But let's say you miss the Friday night meal, says the Ramah, Yochal Shalosh Seudos Biyama Shabbos, you are obligated to have three meals on Shabbos day. Okay, that's how great the obligation is for three meals, that the obligation... On Shabbos, if you miss the Friday night meal, then you're obligated to somehow make space uh, to have three meals on Shabbos day. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Nope. Nope. No. Yeah. Good points. Important points. Having kiddish on, on, on Shabbos morning. Let's say even having kiddish over here, crackers and cocoa and all that. That's not a meal. Uh, that's not a meal. That's enough for kiddish and all the laws of kiddish. But in terms of, of fulfilling one of your meals, that would not be sufficient. So, so far we're seeing bread. We'll see there are some possible backups, but we'll, we'll see that's not so clear. Right now, the, the assumption that we're running with so far is we're talking about bread, okay? Let's see some of the statements of the Mishnah Brura. If you look on the bottom of the page, uh, we'll be skipping around a little bit. Well, let's look at Aleph. Yehi ma'od. So, so the Mishnah Brura is going on the words of the Shulchan Aruch who said, you should be very careful. The Gemara says, Chayav Adam Lechel Shalosh Seudos B'Shabbos. A person is obligated, there's an obligation, a chiyuv, to have three meals on Shabbos. Vasmechuhu Akra. And they supported this with a verse. And when you see those words, they supported this with a verse, that's actually commentary of the Mishnah He's saying, although in the Gemara it says a verse. Now, whenever it says a verse, there are two options. Is it biblical? Right? When the, Torah, when the Gemara says, you must do this because the Torah says X, Y, Z, and it quotes a verse. So you always have a question. Is that verse, does that verse tell us that therefore there's a biblical obligation to do this? Or is it a rabbinic law? And we have this notion called an asmachta. Asmachta from the word, like to be somech means to rest. And there's this notion that sometimes the rabbis would create a law and they would kind of like, uh, I'm not going to use the word source, but almost like as a mnemonic, almost as a way of, of, uh, you know, they say like the Torah is like not even hinting to it. The way the, the Rambam says is like, it, that verse is like a hook to hang the law on. And what he means by that is that it's like, it's it just like, it's a, it's a way of pointing to something in the Torah, which will remind us of this law, but it's not actually a biblical law. So when the Mishnah Brura writes about the fact that the Gemara quotes a verse, he used the word asmechuhu, which means that it's not a biblical law, but rather the rabbis rested this law on a verse. Right? You hear the difference, right? In other words, one is the Torah says do X. The other is the rabbi said do X. And they based it in some way, whether in theory, uh, you know, basically maybe there's an idea that comes out of the Torah um, or it's just simply a mnemonic, right? Those are, there's a debate about how, what, what the notion of a asmachta is. Again, is it, is it that the Torah hints to an, an idea and the rabbis develop that idea? Or is it just simply a mnemonic? One way or another, it's a rabbinic law. That's how the Mishnah Brewer is understanding the idea of having the third meal on Shabbos is a rabbinic law. Again, we keep rabbinic laws, right? I mean, do you move mukta items on Shabbos? No, that's a rabbinic law. Um, okay, so we, the fact that it's rabbinic is not a reason to say poo-poo, we don't care about it, but it's important to know. Are we talking about a biblical law? Are we talking about a rabbinic law? According to the Mishnah Brewer, his understanding of the Gemara is that it's a rabbinic law. Not everyone agrees with him. Some understand that it's actually a biblical law because again, in the Gemara, it quotes a verse. Okay, so there is a debate. Most rule that it's a rabbinic law to have this third meal. Okay, let's, re- let's read on. What's the, what's the source? Uh, what's the source that the rabbis relied upon for this idea? Uh, the, the verse says, Moshe said in the context of the man, remember, the whole idea of the meals that we're eating on Shabbos, just like we saw with Lecha Mishnah, uh, the two breads we eat, everything is predicated on the man that was eaten. So in the context of the man, Moshe said to the Jewish people, eat the man today. Because Shabbos today is for God. Hayom today, you'll not find your regular man in the fields. Now you'll notice, especially since I emphasize the word, that the word Hayom is mentioned, today is mentioned three times. So it says the Gemara, that three Hayoms, three todays are mentioned in this verse. And so the rabbis learned that in the context of man, 
that a tahman, which is the, the, the model of the food that we eat on Shabbos, it says the word, eat it today, 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 okay? Eat it today, 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 implying that there are three eatings that need to happen on Shabbos. Keep in mind, by the way, historically, they would only eat two meals a day, right? Historically, they would have a breakfast and a dinner. And throughout the Talmud, whenever it talks about meals, it talks about meal in the morning. If you're following closely, as we read through the, the account of 100 blessings last, uh, last week, uh, the Mishnah assumed, even in his time, assumed that we had two meals, a big meal in the morning, a big meal in the afternoon. Lunch is, uh, you know, I don't know who eats lunch, right? I mean, that's, uh, you know, fine, whatever, that, that's what they did. So, so the notion of a third meal was the, the novelty, the extra that we do on Shabbos. Normally you'd have two meals. Yeah, go ahead. It is two in the day, but keep in mind they would have a meal for, I mean, the malavamah, meaning the, the fact that you have to have a meal on Shabbos per se, as opposed to, yes, so there would be the third meal. Uh, anyway, they would have one meal in the morning, one meal in the afternoon, and the, towards the night, but there's also malavamaka, which is a discussion onto its own. Okay, um, fine. Vamru Chazal. So here our sages say the following uh, statement. Kol hamakayim shalosh sudas b'shabbos. Anyone who eats three meals on Shabbos, nitzol mishalosh peranios, are saved from three uh, calamities. Mechevlo shal Mashiach. This notion of the birth pangs of Mashiach. We have a tradition that when Mashiach comes, it's not going to be fun and games. There's a whole bunch of uh, rabbis in the Gemara who say, uh, I'd rather be dead before Mashiach comes. Bring me back after. I'll, 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 deal, I'll, I'll, go for, I'll, I'll opt for the resurrection of the dead. I don't want to be around for when Mashiach comes because it's supposed to be a time of great, uh, great difficulties, okay? So the Gemara says uh, that a person each child should is saved from those pains. Medina shal Gehenim, from the judgment of, of Gehenim, of hell. Umilchemes gagu mago, again, this messianic thing, uh, this big war, this uh, end of days war uh, that is portrayed as this war between these two nations, gagu mago, that's going to take place at the end of days. Okay, fine. And it brings a verse to support this. The bottom line is that Shalashudis, in some ways, you know, the, the, some, I think the Bach and others point out, you know, in, in the Shemona Esrei, well, you'll notice that there are different themes throughout Shabbos on, in the Shabbos davening. Friday night, we invoke a theme. If you're, if you're here Friday night, for, well, if you dab a marav on Friday night, the theme of, of the Friday night davening is all about Shabbos Bereshis, the very first Shabbos. Okay, the verses we quote in the, first, in the Shemona Esrei Friday night are all about God creating the world and resting on Shabbos. We call Shabbos Bereshis, the first Shabbos. The, on Shabbos day, what are the verses that we quote? Who's invoked over there? Moshe, Yismach, Moshe, Moshe. Well, you know, and then it talks about the Jewish people, the Shemar Israel. So, yeah, the Jewish people kept the Shabbos. It's a reference to the first Shabbos that was kept by the Jewish people. And then at, at, at Mincha time, towards the end of the day, we start talking about this messianic vision of Shabbos, that Avram, Yagel, Yitzchak, Yiran, and Yaakov, Vanav, Yanuchavo, and that Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov will be resurrected, and there's going to be this new Shabbos that's going to be celebrated. And so the commentators understand that the meals, mystically, connect to those different Shabbos. I, I don't even know the words I'm saying. I'm just saying what they say. That basically Friday night meal is about Shabbos Barashis, the first Shabbos. The daytime meal is about the first Shabbos the Jewish people kept. And the third meal is more messianic. Okay, and you see that in the davenings itself, the mincha davening, which is connected to shalashudis, it's uh, more messianic. And that, that explains a little bit behind this statement of our sages that a person who's careful about the third meal is saved in some way from any of end of days type of Difficulties and only the good stuff at the end of days will come. Okay, fine. Let's see one more line over here. Va'afla ani ha'over mi makom le makom. A poor person who travels from place to place. Tzarech liten lo kolashalosh suudos b'shabes. We are obligated to give him all the three meals on Shabbos. What is this referring to? As follows: There are laws about how we as a community have to support our poor. Okay, so we have there's a certain obligation of how we support people who are in need. Now. 
um, let's say a person, and, and that obligation, the way it's framed is that we have an obligation to support the poor in our community. Okay, which means, the implication is, that if someone just walks in, comes into Baltimore today, so I, I really, I live in Muncie, but I'm, I'm here. So are we obligated to support that person the same way we're obligated to support someone who lives in Baltimore? The answer is no. We have a more primary obligation to those who live here. If someone is traveling through, we are obligated to, to ensure that they have their most basic necessities of the day. Meaning, if a person is here on Tuesday, as a community, we have to make sure that they have their basic meals taken care of for that day. They have to have their bra- you know, their morning meal and their night meal. That's the way it's framed in the Talmud because we have another, if someone's coming through our community, we have to be good hosts. Okay, and thank God we have organizations and stuff that do this for us, okay? But, um, but that's the basic obligation. Now, the Talmud frames it that we have an obligation to ensure that they have two meals for every day because those are the basic meals. So what he's quoting over here and, and really demonstrating how obligatory the third meal is, that if one of, a person is passing through and they're staying for Shabbos, we are obligated to ensure that they don't only have two meals, but they have three meals, which tells us that three meals is a full-fledged obligation. Again, it's highlighting how important that third meal is, that as a community, we're obligated to give them the bare necessities. Normally, bare necessities means you give them some bread, you know, some basic meal. They don't have to have, they don't have to get a surrogate meal. They don't have to get access, you know, bottom line. They're basically just basic meal, okay? But Shabbos, on Shabbos, not only do you have to give them two meals, you have to give them three meals because Shalash Shunnis is essential. Okay, there's a hat. Yeah. So my question is that we haven't had it in a long time. I'm not people coming and knocking on your door mm-hmm. and asking for money. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how can Rabbi Heineman give them an okay to do that if we're not obligated to give them any money? So, two, 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 two separate. There are two separate things. We're not going to get into the laws of Stucker right now, but meaning, Robert Heineman's letter is saying that he did some basic research to make sure that it's not a scam. Okay, so he does whatever level, not him himself, but yeah, they have a, a basic uh, bar to make sure that that doesn't happen, which. You know, other communities don't have it. It's welcome. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there are different levels of obligation. One is the bare bone obligation. We are obligated to ensure any passerby has their basic necessities met. And then there's another thing called tzedakah. If someone comes and asks you for money, we have a certain obligation as individuals to help such people. Not as a community, but as individuals. But that's a separate discussion. Uh, we should have a class on Mishulachim. That's actually a great idea. Okay, uh, that'd be great. Uh, let's... Please remind me. Let's revisit that. Not, not for today, but let's revisit that. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Let's jump to Bayes. If you see where it's bracketed in by the Bayes over there, the Chabetza, this is going on the words that the, Mishnah, that the Shulchan Aruch said. Uh, I'm going a little bit faster today. I think this is pretty straightforward. I hope that's okay. Tell me if I'm not. Okay, fine. Uh, Bechabetza, so the, Mishnah, the Shulchan Aruch said that you have to eat a Beitza, again, a size of an egg. Says the Mishnah, Bura Lav Dafka, meaning not literally. Doesn't mean really exactly an egg. Elamaat yoser mikabeitza. It has to be a little bit larger than an egg. Dechabeitza mikri adayin achilas arai. There is a discussion about what is considered a uh, literally a temporary, but like more of a um, a snack as opposed to a meal, right? You could have bread and you have so little. That's not a meal, right? We have to have suda shlishes, a third meal. So what's the bare minimum to have a meal? The Gemara establishes that an egg volume and less is not a meal. That's a snack. Chilas arai. More than an egg, anything more than an egg, that's a meal. So the Mishnah Baruch is just saying when, when the Shulchan Aruch said an egg's volume, it doesn't mean that literally. It means a little bit more than an egg because an egg 
is too little. Okay, so basically you want to have a little bit more than a, than a medium size, like a regular size egg, and that's what you need to do. Again, uh, because an egg size and less is not considered a meal. There are those who say, There are those who say even an olive level, an olive size is enough to fulfill your meal, which is the next size, next halachic size down. Okay? It's best if you are able to have a third, uh, the, to have the meal with uh, a bait, so the bigger size, if possible. Okay, so just so you should know, there are those who ideally we have a little bit more than an egg. There is an opinion that says it's the size of an olive. Ideally, we shoot for the egg portion. Yes. Right. Right. So, so um, when when it comes to kviyas suda, I um, I don't believe that that would make a difference for kviyas suda. Though I'm not a, th- I need to I need to review that. Um, meaning in terms of the after bracha that doesn't impact it, I believe I believe over here we would still need the kabetza of bread. Um, if you have, unless you're having what we call pasababikistin. So if you're having like. Uh, wafers, you're ha- oh, no, whatever, you're having like danishes, things like that, which is bread-esque, it's bread-like, those things, if you're having the context of a meal, assume the property of bread. Uh, but something like an egg, I believe, I believe, I believe that, that it would not be enough to change your amount at that point. So meaning you'd want to have the baits of an egg, a baits of bread, excuse me, and then, exactly, 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 yes. Excellent. So, so when we talked about, um, when we talked about, and we'll touch on this briefly, ideally we want to have Lecha Mishnah et Shalashudis. If we're unable for whatever reason, it's, it, it, and this is true for all meals, it, you know, for all meals, if you don't have Lecha Mishnah, you should still wash and have bread, right? So some, whatever comes up, sometimes you don't have rolls, you don't have your matzah, your stale matzah sitting in the corner of your closet, whatever. You should, there's still an obligation to have a meal. There's two things. One is a mitzvah of lecha mishnah, and one is a mitzvah of bread. We'll see Rishal Shudas. There might be a reason why only one loaf of bread is necessary and not two, but still we want to have at least, at least one shalim, at least one complete bread, and really, ideally, we want to have two loaves of bread to make the bracha. Yes? Correct. Yes, absolutely. Just thank you for clarifying. Yes. Yes, you don't have to eat the entire roll. All you need to have is this measurement of a kibetzah, ideally the egg volume, but you want to make the bracha ideally on two rolls of bread. Okay, um, fine. Let's go a little bit further, Mishnah Bura. So the Mishnah on Gimel, the Shulchan Aruch was saying that if you're totally stuffed, you don't have to have that third meal. Why? Uh, because the meal was given for enjoyment. The whole premise, the whole foundation of these meals is the fulfillment of pleasure of Shabbos. You're supposed to have pleasure on Shabbos. So if you're eating and you feel like vomiting, if you're eating and it's driving you crazy, that's not oneg, that's not enjoyment, that's tsar, that's pain. So it can't be saying, it cannot be, by definition, if you're eating and it's painful, by definition, you know, it it cannot be obligatory. Okay, Um, fine. Then he said, a a wise person um, leaves some space in their stomach so that they could um, eat that third meal. Litein makum, the dalad there in the Mishnah Burah. Deim lokein, if you don't leave space, lifamim hi achila gasa, Sometimes it's considered like achilagasa is like, uh, I don't know how to translate this well. It's basically like 
don't know. It, it, it's like animalistic eating, I think, is the way it would be translated. It's not called eating. You know, halachically, there's a fascinating discussion about Erev Yom Kippur. You know, so some people like stuffing themselves and stuffing themselves. So there's a fascinating Gemara that talks about, let's say a person is like completely, completely stuffed. Again, like to the brim. Like there's no, they, they really are so stuffed. And then they eat just as Yom Kippur is beginning. But they're so stuffed that they really have no satiation, no hunger. It's just, it's, it, it's almost like it's revolting to eat that. So halachically, they're not actually liable for eating on Yom Kippur. Don't try this at home. This is like, uh, you know, post facto. Can't do this. But, but in post facto, if a person was so stuffed that their eating was so just like disgusting to them and they ate, it's not even called eating. Even though you're going through the mechanical actions of eating, since you're so stuffed, it's not called eating. And that's what he's getting at over here. If you're eating shalashudas and you're like so stuffed, you just finished your huge Shabbos meal, that's not called eating. So like maybe you don't even fulfill your obligation at that point. It's not only that it's tsar, it's not only that you're exempt, it's like you may not even fulfill your obligation because it's not even considered eating. Again, you know, as you know, we should never be in a place where having another this much of bread should get us to that point. Ideally, you know, we 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 don't want to stuff ourselves to that point. Okay, hey, one last point in 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 uh, in Sif Aleph, and that that is going on what the Ramat told us that if a person missed the Friday night meal, we are obligated to have three meals during the day. So we just address the meals. What about Kiddush? You miss Kiddush Friday night. What do you do? Says the Mishnah Bura. The Gam so if you miss the Friday night meal, not only are you obligated on having three meals during the day, but you have to make Kiddush at that first meal. The full Kiddush, not the short Kiddush we make Shabbos day, but the entire, the, you know, the, the long bracha that we make, long, the longer bracha that we make on Friday night, you would say that on Shabbos morning. Milvad v'ichilu, except for the verses that we said before, imlo Kiddush arvis. if you didn't make Kiddush in the evening. Okay, and it could happen, a person's sick, whatever it is, you miss Friday night meal for whatever reason, so Shabbos day, you make Kiddush, and you have three meals during full, the full Friday night Kiddush, and you have three meals. Okay? Good? Am I going too fast? It's okay? Don't be shy. Yeah, good. Okay, fine. Great. Let's go to Halacha Beis. Uh, now let's talk about the time of Shalashudis. So, so Zmana, the time of Shalashudis, Mishiagia Zman HaMincha. It's when the time of Mincha begins. What is the time of Mincha? It doesn't mean when we dive in Mincha and Shul, but there's a time during the day that you are allowed to daven mincha. What is that? Dahainu mishesh shaos umechatsa ulamala. From six and a half hours on, meaning the day is divided into uh, 12 hours, meaning not, not hour clock. He's not talking about like uh, 1230. What he means the day from sunrise to sunset or dawn to nightfall, the different ways of calculating it, but the day is divided into 12 hours and there's the midpoint, which is six hours in, and there's six and a half hours in. So halachically we call it chatzos, which is the midpoint of the day hours, and then a half hour past that time. If you look on a, you know, different halachic website, you know, there's websites called like Maizmanim, they'll tell you what is this man mincha, the earliest time you can dab mincha. We don't dab mincha at midday, we dab mincha a little bit past midday. Okay? So that's the earliest time you could have shalashudas. You can't. I remember I used to visit my friends in a, in a yeshiva in Israel, and uh, they tried to catch up on this as a teenage mind. You'd catch up on all the missed sleep throughout the week on Shabbos doesn't really work, right? Sort of. We do it anyway, but it doesn't really work. We try. Uh, so whatever. So basically, what would they do? They'd wake up early. They would eat their Shabbos day meal. Okay? And then they'd bench. They'd go and have Shalashudas. And then by like 10 o'clock, they're back in bed. And they used to sleep from like 10 o'clock all the way through the end of Shabbos. Okay? Bottom line is, they were so firm. They didn't fulfill their obligation of Shalashudas. Because you cannot start Shalashudas or Shabbat until after the midpoint of the day. So it was a cute idea, uh, but it didn't actually work. Okay, yes. 
Oh, okay. okay. And so they made us eat, uh, I don't know, uh, pretzels and stuff in the morning. We didn't want to eat cake, whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever. Anyhow, we're in the middle of the meal, and they say, we have to stop. We have to bench and ah. have to wash and have to Great, great. We're allowed to do something. Ah, good. Well, you are now going to be qualified to answer that question. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. This is a fascinating discussion. We'll, we'll get there. Before we need the... We need to read, read through this, but we'll get to this notion of breaking up your meal into two. Is that allowed? Is that not allowed? We'll get there. Okay. So, but first, let's start with the basic principles. The time for Sudat Shlishi is a little bit past midday. And if a person did so, meaning they started the meal before that, lo, mitzvah they did not fulfill the mitzvah of Sudat Shlishi. Okay, to eat before, again, like my friends in this yeshiva, they didn't fulfill their mitzvah of Sudash Lishi by eating before that. Haggah, this is the Ramah, again, the glosses. Yesh Omrim, okay, here's a very interesting set of laws. Um, you know, before we do that, let's just, let's just read the Mishnah Bro on the bottom. Let's go to the bottom, to the Zion on the bottom. Um, on the bottom, Mishesha Osumechitza, okay. Vim Hischil Lechel Hasudash Lishis Kodem Chatzos. Let's say a person started their third meal before the middle of the day. Okay? So they started before the time frame. And the meal extended beyond the start time for Sudash Lishis. Yatza. They do fulfill their obligation. So it's interesting. He's saying, although you don't have to, uh, although you cannot eat the whole Sudash Lishis before that time frame, but you don't have to wash after that time frame begins. As long as you're still eating after that time frame, then you're okay. Uh, you still ate at the right time. We don't go after the beginning of the meal. Again, so you hear what he's saying? He's saying, it doesn't matter. Sudash Lishi is not defined. Fulfilling the obligation of Sudash Lishi is not defined by when you wash, when you start the meal, but rather when you're eating. So even if you technically started early, as long as the meal extended itself past that time, you're good to go. Okay, yes. Well, the, the question would be, are, are, how do we make that not one meal? In other words, in that case, you started your meal at 12 o'clock, and that was clearly your first meal. It's true. It extended into that later time. You're still eating and enjoying. But, ha, but at the end of the day, it's still one. If, how do we define that as two meals and not one meal? And so what you're asking is going to get a little, if there will be perhaps a way to do that, we're going to get to what Dina brought up. Maybe there's a way of breaking that meal into two, but if it's just one meal, it's still one meal and not be considered. We still have to make it, define it as two separate meals. He's talking about a case where you ate already the morning meal. Okay, meaning, again, keep in mind, and especially in Israel, you see this all the time or other places, you know. Yeah, they're home at 10 o'clock, right? Meaning this is, you know, they're, they're eating and it's like, you know, a little weird and bizarre. They're having like this big, you know, meaty meal um, at like 10 o'clock, but that, that's the norm, right? So they finish their meal and they have a normal whatever. And then, you know, then they decide to start another meal at 1130, you know, and then that meal is the one that extends. That's what he's referring to over here. As, a, as opposed to, okay, we'll come back to your case shortly. Okay. Um, says the, let's go back to the top. Says the Ramah. Yesh Omrim, there are those who say, that it is forbidden to drink water between Mincha and Marev on Shabbos. Mincha, Marev on Shabbos afternoon or Shabbos day, right? You cannot drink water, okay? Does Chosros Hanishamos Gehenim? Because the souls are starting to return to Gehenim, to hell. Okay, let's just pause for a second and say, what in the world did we just read? So basically, there's this mystical idea that on Shabbos, all of the souls do not, there's no, hell is closed on Shabbos. Okay, 
I'm just, this is what the mystical writings write, that on Shabbos, hell is closed. All the souls get to leave, they get to relax, and then towards the end of the day, they start to return. Okay, that's what they say. So far, so good. Now, there's this idea that for some reason, if you're drinking water, okay, I, I can't explain this to you, I'm just telling you what, what the sources say, that if you drink water, then in some way that impacts the souls that are returning to Gehenna. It's an affront to them, it's a pain to them, whatever it is, it's in some ways painful to the souls that are returning to Gehenna. That's what the mystical writings write. And Rabbeinu Tam, who is really, he's, he's a grandson of Rashi and really one of the main sources of our halachic uh, worldview, okay? He, the, the to- it's written in Tosu, we're on the side over here, where he, he told off one of the great rabbis of his day, Rabbeinu Meshulam. He used to yell at him for eating Sudach Lishi between Mincha and Marev because he said, you're drinking water during this time and you're harming these souls. It's a terrible thing that you're doing. Okay, that's what's brought down. Okay, we'll see how this plays out. Okay, so therefore, since you're not allowed to have water between Mincha and Marev because the souls are returning to Gehenim, Valkana, therefore, ain't lechal Sudach Lishis be Mincha Lamarev. Therefore, as a public policy, since you cannot have water at that time, in order to ensure that you're not going to drink water, some rabbis then went ahead and instituted that it's forbidden to eat sudat shlishi entirely between Mincha Marev. Because if I tell you you can have a meal, but you can't have water, people are going to forget. They're going to have the meal. I normally drink, wash it with water. So instead, no shalashudis between Mincha Marev. Okay? Okay. Okay, everybody does it. That's, that, what do you tell your kids when they tell you that? No, just kidding. Uh, so, I'm just kidding. Yeah, 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 you're right. As we'll see in a minute, that's not the minhag. That's not the minhag. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's not the minhag, but, but this, is, this was clearly the minhag Ashkenaz uh, in, in, in France, in Germany, this was done. It, they did not eat. They deliberately did not eat between Mincha Marv because of a sensitivity to ensure that no one drinks water during this time. Yes? I always put red, red pencil, you know? Into the water? Yeah. For this reason. Yes, 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 yes. So other drinks were allowed. Again, I can't explain it to you, but this tradition allows for other drinks, but only water, not. And there we go. I always, you know, people, you complain to me when, when I joined them. A child showed us they only had soda. And I, many, many people complained and eventually started pouring out pitchers of water. Uh, but this is, you know, sometimes maybe there's a reason. I don't know. Uh, you know, I wish I would have asked, uh, you know, the, the people who established the Shul's customs. I don't know if it was deliberately not to have water, but I know when I came, I remember there were a lot of complaints about the lack of water at Sudach Lishi in our, in our, in our Shul. And so they started pulling out pitchers. Yes. Good, good, good. Excellent. We're going we're gonna to get there. Excellent, excellent. Yes, yes. Super, very briefly, because it's a discussion on its own, but very, you know, the notion of, super, the, the prohibition of superstition, as it's understood by most, is when something is, uh, doesn't have any rhyme or reason whatsoever. Meaning, you know, Kabbalists, you know, there is a notion, we believe in hell, okay? Well, let's get that out of the way, right? As Jews, we believe in hell. I don't know who started this thing that we don't. Uh, so there is a, it's brought in Kabbalah that they leave Gehenim on, on Shabbos, okay? So, the, so there, there is a logical explanation, meaning, uh, meaning there, there is a, there's a line of reasoning over here. It's just that you and I don't see it, don't feel it, don't know what that means, but it's a line of reasoning. That wouldn't be considered superstition. Superstition would be, this makes absolutely no sense. I'm just doing it because, uh, you know, without any, any, any explanation whatsoever. Here it's, it's saying, this is the system, this is how it works, and you do this, it impacts that. So that, that's, that's, 
you know, a rational, you know, that, that's incorporating mysticism, but it's, 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 it's still a rational line of thinking. Not rational is not the right word, but there's a logical line of thinking. Okay, fine. Let's go a little bit further, says the Ramah. So again, one opinion says you cannot eat shalashudis um, after mincha. Ele yochla, so kara mincha, you have to eat before mincha. Vyesh omrim, there are those who say, di yosr tov lispal mincha tchila. There are those who say the opposite. No, it's best to first eat mincha, dava mincha, and then have shalashudis. Okay? Vichaino again lechatchila bechol medinos elu. And as it was pointed out, this is the custom in our countries, that we first, most first have a mincha, and then they have shalashudis. Um, let's turn the page, nonetheless. If we turn the page, uh, the opposite side of that. Ein lishtos mayim min hanaharos. Still, to be sensitive to this Kabbalistic idea, we don't drink water from the rivers. In other words, there are those who limit this Kabbalistic teaching about the waters, saying that it's only when drinking from a river. But drinking from water that's already been drawn, water in your tap, that's not a problem. Okay? That's drinking from the waters of the river, that's a problem. Shari, drinking water in your home would be fine. Vichol Shikain Shar, Mashkin Shari, Karen points out other drinks, even if they're water based, that's totally fine. Vish Omrim, there are those who say, Maybe it's only subjective. If, you and I, if a person who is not in mourning drinks water, that's fine. But it's only someone who drinks water who's in course of mourning for a parent, it impacts their parents. Okay, these are just different, more limited interpretations of the Kabbalistic idea. And this is what Helene was getting at. There are those who say, no, we have it all wrong. It's not that they're going back at the end of Shabbos, and that's why you can't do it at the end of Shabbos, but rather it's in the beginning of Shabbos, between sunset and nightfall, that you're not allowed to drink. And there are those who extend this saying you can't drink at all. And that's why some people, everyone said, hey, guest, said, ah, I don't make kiddush. We dominate early. He said, I don't make kiddush, uh, you know, between sunset and nightfall. You don't want to, like, where's my house? What do you want for my life? I want to start a meal. He wants to wait till nightfall. Uh, he didn't want to have uh, the meal because he had this custom that you don't have any drinks whatsoever. And therefore, and so maybe Chabad, but there are some who have the, the rule, they'll make early Shabbos before sunset, they'll have their meal, or they'll have their meal after nightfall, but between sunset and nightfall, for those 45 minutes, whatever, they will not drink at all, and therefore they will not start their meal before then. If that is your custom, please don't impose it on your host. It's just not nice. Okay. Sorry? Oh, I was just being a little snarky. I said, I said if, you, if, you, uh, if that's your custom, don't impose it on your host. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Uh, let's, let's go back now and just catch up in the Mishnah Bura over here. Uh, so let's turn back to the first page. Um, says the Mishnah Bura, Zayin, Mishesha'u Sumechitza. Sorry, we did that one. Valkenin Lechel. So therefore, we shouldn't eat. So, so this is going on the first opinion. The first opinion says you should therefore not eat um, after Mincha. Why? All, what he's addressing is, wait a second, the halacha was you can't drink water. Why can't you eat Sudach Lishi? Defend Yavo Gamlishtos, because you might come to drink water. Right? So it's, uh, again, public policy. Sometimes you have to make these fences. If it's so bad to drink water, well, then we shouldn't eat at all, because it's normal. During a meal, you'll be drinking water to wash down the food, and therefore they said, you know what? Don't eat Sudach Lishi at all during that time. However, as we saw, there are those who have the opposite Minhag. To first David Mincha, and then have Sudach Lishi. Why? What's the rationale behind this? Da'asr lechel achispala. Because there is a rule that you're not supposed to have a meal before you daven. Meaning, just like we saw in the morning, we touched upon this a little bit, you daven shachris and then you have a meal. Similarly, you have an obligation to daven mincha. You're supposed to first daven mincha. Get the davening has to come from God comes first and then you could eat. So, so there are those who say you must daven mincha first and then have Sudach Lishi 
because of the fact that, uh, you know, because of the fact that, um, you know, because, because you need to daven before. And then he says, Rishona. So what about the first opinion? Don't they agree? He says, no. They hold that a small meal is allowed. Shalashudas, at the end of the day, most of us do not eat like a huge involved meal. It's a small meal. Okay? And therefore, those who say you should first eat and then daven, hey, what's going on? How could you eat, have a meal before you daven? Okay, so the answer they give to that is because at the end of the day, it's not a big meal, and the whole concern of having a meal is you're going to get so involved in the meal, you're going to lose the, you're going to lose sight of time, you're going to miss davening. So if it's a small meal, we're not as concerned of that happening. Okay, so therefore that justifies both opinions. So we have one opinion that says you cannot eat after mincha; you must eat shalashudas before. The second minhag, the one that is much more widely practiced, is the opposite, where you must have a mincha first and then have sudach lishi. Yes. <laughs> Good question. Good. Is it possible to switch it up? Could you say in the winter, you know, I, I want to push off the set third meal as much as possible because I just finished lunch. In the summer, eating at Bitumen Chamarev is like eating at 8 o'clock. I don't want to eat at 8 o'clock. It's going to hurt me that I, I don't know, whatever. So I want to eat at 6 o'clock when I have my dinner, right? So can you switch it up? So let's read the next, the mes, next Mishnah Bura. Um, says the Mishnah Bura, Yud Aleph, V'cheinoagin l'chatchila. Uvamakam shekasha lo l'kayma suda l'achar mincha. In a situation where it's difficult to eat after mincha. For a whole host of reasons. Your kids are going to sleep. I don't want to eat past seven o'clock. It's not good for my stomach. I don't know. You name it. Or, uh, you know, because it's uh, hard to get volunteers to set up Sudach Lishi in our show. Make up, whatever. Whatever reason, it's hard for you to eat after mincha. Okay? Yuchal afil l'chatchila l'kayma sudakota mincha. Then it is allowed and not like it's okay. But it's completely allowed to switch it up and to have the meal before mincha. Okay, fine. Bottom line is you're allowed to do so before. First of all, I want to make one point. For women, as we pointed out already last uh, two weeks ago, the whole notion of times of davening don't apply. So the sensitivity of the second opinion who says, you must first daven mincha because you're, you're afraid if you don't daven mincha first, you know, that it's going to get in the way of it. That, that limitation and that whole discussion only applies to men. So the truth is this whole discussion for women, uh, this wouldn't, the, the same stringency wouldn't apply. And again, maybe you daven mincha, maybe you don't daven mincha. So to begin with, that might not be an issue. Your obligation to daven mincha is in and of itself very different than a man's obligation to daven mincha. Um, so this discussion to, to, to a large extent would not be relevant to women, but unless you're having a meal with a man, right? So, so this discussion still has relevance, but, but again, I just want to point out that it's not uh, the, the, the sensitivity of that second opinion isn't there. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is we're learning for both men and women, uh, even if it's, uh, even, you know, based on these two opinions, even though the minhag, the more accepted custom, is to first have a mincha and then have the meal, the bottom line is if for whatever reason it's difficult to do so, it's totally fine to first eat and then daven. And, you know, over the course, you know, we, we don't have shows. So let me just, you know, end with this and then we'll take some questions and we'll, we'll pick up on these laws next I'm not here next week. In two weeks, okay? No class next week. There will be a class in two weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, as a show, during COVID, we stopped having all kiddishes and all that. And then, you know, we came back, you know, are we going to reinstate Shalashudas? Maybe in the summer, we did it in the summer, doing my house, but again, it's later in the day. During the winter, we stopped, decided for a whole host of reasons not to do it. And, you know, we'll have more learning during this time. Uh, but at the bottom line is, uh, you know, the way it's brought down the post game is that, it's not such a big deal to switch this up. This is not a sincere question. Could you go back and forth? The answer is yes. You know, the way the Arach HaSholchan quotes it, he says, no one talked about this question, you know, in, in Jewish law. I mean, you have bits and pieces. No one really dealt with this until like much, much later. He says, clearly, 
to them it didn't make a difference. There's a halacha dav mincha, there's a halacha eat shalashuris. When it happens, clearly wasn't so, so to speak, important to the postgame. And therefore, he says, whichever one is more convenient. Again, the minag is clearly after mincha, but whichever one is more convenient for you, just do that. The bottom line is, and here's the most important part, it's important to have that third meal. It's important to wash. It's important to have bread. We'll discuss in two weeks from now. You know, maybe there's some things which might be okay if you cannot eat bread, but certainly, ideally, we want to have bread for a third meal. It doesn't have to be a meal. All it has to be is a little bit more than an egg, and you fulfill this very important mitzvah. And as we said when we started, Shalish, shalosh Seudos. The reason it has this name, according to the Tamiya Minhagim, is because by eating this third meal, especially if you're not in the mood, especially if you don't want to, that is the greatest demonstration that you're eating for the sake of God. You know, when I'm eating cholent and I'm eating dela or whatever, I'm eating all the yummy food that I eat on Shabbos, it's harder to say I'm doing this for God. It's easier to, for honest, it's because it's a delicious meal. But when we have that third meal, especially if we're not interested in it, then it kind of reflects positively on all the other meals, saying clearly on Shabbos I eat for God. It's not just about me. And that, again, as we saw, was one of the rationales behind the name. Okay, we're going to pick up on that. I'll take the questions, and then we're going to pick up on this, uh, God willing, in two weeks. Uh